chapter twenty one of work and win naughty newman on a cruise by oliver optic this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty one the clergyman and his wife the captain of the whale-ship very kindly took the young voyagers to his own house until their affairs were settled up he had dealt fairly and justly by them in all things and both were grateful to him for the interest he had manifested in their welfare what are you going to do now noddy asked molly after the instruments had been sold and the proceeds paid over to them i'm going to woodville now to face the music replied noddy i suppose they will take me to the courthouse but i have made up my mind to submit to the penalty whatever it may be for setting the boat-house afire fanny has told all about it before this time you may be certain added molly to whom he had related the story of the fire i hope she has not for i think i am the guilty one she wouldn't have set the fire if it hadn't been for me i am going to stand right up to it and take the consequences even if they send me to prison but i hope they won't do that i'm sure they won't but naughty suppose miss fanny has not told the truth yet will you still deceive your kind friends you told me you had been made over new since you left woodville and i know you have you said you meant to live a good life and not lie or steal or get angry or do anything that is bad well i mean so molly i intend to stick to it they won't know anything about that they won't believe anything i say they must believe you i'll go with you naughty exclaimed she smiling at the happy thought i will tell them all about you that will be jolly and the sooner we go the better their good friend the captain found a gentleman who was going to new york and they accompanied him though naughty felt abundantly able to take care of himself and his fair charge they arrived the next morning and took an early train for woodville noddy conducted molly down the road to the lawn in front of the house his heart bounded with emotion as he once more beheld the familiar scenes of the past as he walked along he pointed out to his interested companion the various objects which were endeared to him by former associations he talked because he could not help it for he was so agitated he did not know whether he was on his head or his heels he heard a step on one of the side paths he turned to see who it was and bertha grant rushed towards him why naughty is that you cried she grasping him with both hands i am so glad to see you you'd better believe i'm glad to see you again said he trying to keep from crying the poor fellow actually broke down he was so much affected by the meeting i didn't expect to see you again for years after the letter you wrote me been cast away miss bertha and lived two months on an island where nobody lived blubbered noddy who is this little girl with you is this molly of whom you spoke in your letter yes miss bertha that's molly and she is the best girl in the world except yourself i'm very glad to see you molly said bertha taking her hand and giving her a kind reception now come into the house bertha 
finding noddy so completely overcome by his emotions refrained from asking him any more questions though she was anxious to hear the sad story of the shipwreck mr grant had not yet gone to the city and he received the returned exiles as though they had been his own children i've come back mr grant to settle up old affairs and you can send me to the courthouse or the prison now i did wrong and i am willing to suffer for it i have told them all about it noddy interrupted miss fanny blushing i couldn't stand it after you went away it was my fault said noddy i said so then and i say so now we won't say anything about that until after breakfast we are very glad you have come back and we don't care about thinking of anything else at present said mr grant breakfast was provided for the wanderer and his friend and molly was soon made quite at home by the kind attentions of bertha and fanny when the meal was ended noddy insisted upon settling up old affairs as he called it he declared that the blame ought to rest on him and he was willing to suffer mr grant said that he was satisfied fanny was to blame and she had already been severely punished for her fault you will not send poor noddy to prison will you interposed molly he is a good boy now he saved my life and took care of me for months you will find that he is not the same noddy he used to be he is made over new i'm glad to hear that replied mr grant but noddy did you really think i intended to send you to jail yes sir what was the constable after me for if not for that it's a mistake and i told you so in albany didn't i say you would be a rich man you did sir but i thought that was only to catch me all of them said something of that sort i knew i couldn't be a rich man because my father never had a cent to leave me that's what they told me but you had an uncle never heard of him replied noddy bewildered at the prospect before him your father's only brother died in california more than a year ago he had no family but an honest man who went with him knew where he came from and squire riggs has hunted up all the evidence which fully proves that all your uncle's property in the absence of other heirs belongs to you he left over thirty thousand dollars and it is all yours dear me exclaimed noddy utterly confounded by this intelligence this sum judiciously invested will produce at least fifty thousand when you are of age i have been appointed your guardian i don't think i'm naughty newman after this added the heir in breathless excitement i know you are not added bertha laughing your real name is ogden newman how are you ogden said naughty amused at his new name i suppose naughty came from ogden said mr grant if that's what's the matter i don't see what you wanted to take me to court for as you have come to years of discretion you might have had the privilege of naming your own guardian and we were going to take you to the court for that purpose as you were not here to speak for yourself i was appointed if you are not satisfied the proceedings can be reviewed i'm satisfied first-rate laughed noddy but you said something about sending me off my plan was to send you to the tunbrook military institute where richard is 
and make a man of you. I should like that, perhaps. You gave me a great deal of trouble to find you, and I did not succeed after all, added Mr. Grant. I didn't know what you was after. If I had, I shouldn't have been in such a hurry. But I guess it was all for the best. I've been at work, Miss Bertha, since I went away, said Noddy, turning to his teacher and friend. Did you win? I rather think I did, replied he, depositing his twelve hundred dollars on the table. That's rather better than being a tinker, I reckon, Miss Bertha. Oh, if you had seen him work! He did things which a great man could not have done, said Molly with enthusiasm, and he's real good, too. He'll never do anything wrong again. We must hear all about it now, Ogden, continued Mr. Grant. Who? Ogden, that's your name now. Between Noddy and Molly the story was told, and there was hardly a dry eye in the room when the parts relating to the yellow fever and the funeral of Captain McClintock were narrated. Noddy told the burden of the story, but he was occasionally interrupted by Molly, who wanted to tell how her friend watched over her and her father when they were sick with the fever and what kindness and consideration he had used in procuring and burying the remains of her father. Noddy only told facts. She supplied what she regarded as very important omissions. When the narrative was finished, Mr. Grant and Bertha were willing to believe that Noddy had been made over new, that he had worked morally as well as physically, and won, besides the treasure on the table good principles enough to save him from the errors which formerly beset him, had won a child's faith in God, and a man's confidence in himself. The whole family were deeply interested in Molly. They pitied and loved her, and, as she had no near relatives, they insisted upon her remaining at Woodville. This is your money, Ogden, and I suppose I am to invest it with the rest of your property, said Mr. Grant. "'No, sir,' replied Noddy promptly. "'You know how I got that money, and I don't think it belongs to me. "'Besides, I'm rich, and don't want it. "'Molly must have every dollar of it.' "'Bravo, Noddy!' exclaimed Mr. Grant. "'I approve of that with all my heart.' "'Why, no, Noddy. "'You earned it all,' said Molly. "'One hundred dollars of it was yours before the wreck.' "'I don't care for that.' Mr. Grant shall take care of the whole of it for you, or you may take it as you please. Molly was in the minority, and she had to yield the point, and Mr. Grant was instructed to invest all she had, being the entire net proceeds of what was saved from the wreck. After the story had been told, all the young people took a walk on the estate, during which Noddy saw Ben and the rest of the servants. The old man was delighted to meet him again and the others were hardly less rejoiced. The boathouse had been rebuilt. It was winter, and every craft belonging to the establishment was housed. In the spring, Noddy, or Ogden, as he was now called, was sent to the Tunbrook Institute, while Bertha found a faithful pupil and Fanny a devoted friend in Molly. Three months at Woodville convinced Mr. Grant and Bertha that the change in Noddy was radical and permanent. Though not now required to work, 
he was constantly employed in some useful occupation he was no longer an idler and a vagabond but one of the most industrious useful and reliable persons on the estate he did not work with his hands only there was a work for the mind and the heart to do and he labored as perseveringly and as successfully in this field as in the other at tunbrook he was a hard student and graduated with the highest intellectual honors from there he went to college the influence of those scenes when the yellow fever was raging around him when the stormy ocean threatened to devour him and perhaps more than all others when he stood at the open grave of captain mcclintock was never obliterated from his mind they colored his subsequent existence and when he came to choose a profession he selected that of a minister of the gospel the rev ogden newman is not and never will be a brilliant preacher but he is a faithful and devoted shepherd of the sheep the humble parish over whose moral and spiritual welfare he presides is not more rejoiced and comforted by his own ministrations than by the loving words and the pure example of the gentle being who now walks hand in hand with him in the journey of life cheered by his presence and upheld by his strong arm as she was in the days of the storm and the pestilence molly mcclintock is mrs ogden newman and as together they work together they shall win end of chapter twenty one end of naughty newman on a cruise by oliver optic recording by scarlet louisiana